Exodus chapter 17 this morning. I have my booklet from the men's meeting and I took notes and just kind of going through some of this. The very last message was uh, by Pastor Fisher who's coming to our men's meeting and it was entitled, The Hard Thing. He said, when the power of God comes, God may have to take you through some hard things. And, uh, and that is certainly true. You know, we think about uh, Philippians 3.10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. And uh, there's uh, sometimes we don't go through some easy, uh, go through some easy, uh, not easy roads. It's hard, uh, hard trials come through our lives. And uh, but yet it, we know that in the end it's worth it. And Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, Exodus chapter 17. Uh, if uh, you found the book of Revelation, keep going to the left. Eventually you'll find Exodus. But uh, Exodus chapter 17. This is one of my favorite uh, uh, stories. And when I was in Sunday school. And uh, I remember uh, seeing all of this on flannel graph and whatnot, but uh, Exodus chapter 17, look at verse 8. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men. Go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, I'm so thankful that we have You. I thank You, Lord, that we can cast all of our cares upon You for You care for us. I thank You that You love us and that Your attention is upon us. Lord, out of all creation, all these things, all of the animals, the insects, all of uh, the stars and, and the planets, yet Your attention is upon us. Lord, Your Word says that uh, You see when that sparrow falls and You know the, the very number of hairs upon our head. Lord, You know all about us and we thank You for that. And we thank You that even though You know us, You love us, even in spite of us. Lord, as You've gathered us together here in this room for this time this morning, I pray that You would open up our hearts. Lord, where there is any known sin that's in our lives right now, I pray that You would reveal that and that we would confess it and get it right so that You would be able to do a, a deeper work in us even this morning. Lord, I pray that You would be exalted 
that you would be lifted up above all of the the problems, above all of the trials, above anything in this world, anything in this life. Lord, all of the battle, all the fight, as they will learn here in Exodus chapter 17, may may we see that you are the the victor, that you there is no one greater, there is no one higher than you. And so, Lord, I need your help, and I confess my need and dependence upon you to deliver this message. And Lord, we also confess our need and dependence upon you to listen and obey what it is that you have for us. Lord, please help us not be just hearers of the word, but doers as well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as we enter into this passage, we find the Israelites during their 40 years of wilderness wanderings. There are many lessons, and even in the New Testament, uh, uh, so many times uh, illustrations are pointed back to this wilderness wanderings. There's so many lessons we can learn uh, during this time in the Israelites' life. And here in Exodus chapter 17, we find another lesson that we would do well to take heed. Now, he starts off in verse 8, it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now, Rephidim means rest or uh, resting places. And in order to get to Rephidim, to this place where they would be able to rest, they would have to go through this narrow and difficult pass. Uh, and it was, a, uh, it was tough for them to get to this resting place. And the, Amal- the Amalekites, they wanted to draw the Israelites out into the open so that they could fight them and defeat them. Now Moses is going to go on top of this hill. Uh, this hill is uh, 820 feet high. Uh, when you get on top of that hill, you can see for 10 miles. Now if you had enough money, you could go to this very hill where Moses was at. Uh, you, it's in southern part of Israel today. And, and so you could go to this exact place. It talks about this altar that Moses built. If you had, you know, you're able to go to it, you could see the remnant of the altar that is built. You see, this isn't just some made-up story. No, this is a real place with real people. This uh, situation happened, and you could go and see the remnants of that situation even today. And so Moses leads the the people of Israelites uh, into this place of Rephidim. And Moses beforehand, look at verse uh, chapter 17, uh, look at verse Number one, it says, and all the children of, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto him, said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses. And said, Wherefore is it that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And what did Moses do? See his response when people started crying at him. Look what he cried. And the Lord, and Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They all be already almost ready to stone me. You see, when they when Moses had these people complaining and coming to him, he cried unto the Lord. Uh, he responded in this matter of prayer, and, and Moses is, is asking God for a miracle. Uh, they don't have any water. They're going to die if they don't have this water. And so Moses tells, or the Lord tells Moses, you grab the rod, 
You go up to this rock and you strike the rock and water's going to come forth. Now, this uh, rock, I thought, was always kind of a small rock. And, uh, and, I, you know, it's, and, and as I was researching this, it wasn't a small rock. It's actually a big rock. And from what I understand, there is nothing behind that rock. It was a true miracle when he smote the rock that that water came forth. And I thought that it was just kind of a, a little stream of water that came forth out of that rock. I thought it was a small rock. And you say, where did you get those pictures? Probably from the flannel graph in Sunday school. Uh, the rock didn't seem to be that big and, and the water didn't seem to flow that much, but it actually was a bigger rock and the water wasn't a stream. The book of Psalms tells us that it was a river of water. You have here all of these is Israelites, they need to drink and God uh, brings a great miracle. And he says, you strike the rock and the striking of the rock represented Christ and that he was going to take the punishment of our sins and be broken and spilled out for our sins uh, as his blood flowed down. Uh, so that was a picture of Christ, and this was a great miracle. I mean, this was a, a great victory that God just did before their eyes. And many times uh, uh, when these, these great victories come into our lives, look at verse 8, then came Amalek. Oh, maybe you've, you've been there that... Boy, something great's happened. God's blessing's been on the thing and, and, uh, and has used you and, and worked through some situation. But here comes Amalek. Here comes the enemy to discourage, to defeat, to destroy. And this enemy, Amalek, is a picture of the flesh. Now, the Amalekites were descendants of Esau. You remember that Esau and Jacob uh, uh, were brothers. And Amalek was the grandson of Esau. And the word Amalek, his name means warlike or dweller in the veil. And so he appeared to have separated from his brethren and true to his name became the, uh, the chief of a warlike tribe. Now the Amalekites never ceased to be the Israelites' enemies. They fought them every single time. King Saul was commanded by God to destroy the Amalekites. But you know what King Saul did? He didn't destroy the Amalekites. He kept them alive, and it wasn't until uh, David and Psalm are in uh, 1 Samuel 30 that he would destroy the Amalekites. Now, it's interesting to note Saul was disobedient to God and not destroying the Amalekites. Do you know how he died? He died by the hand of an Amalekite. You know, this, this enemy, the flesh, uh, number one, we're going to look at the enemy is stronger. The Amalekites uh, are a picture of the flesh. Uh, this is uh, uh, Galatians 5.17. For the, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now here, the Amalekites, they're skilled in fighting. The Israelites, how many times uh, have they fought? I mean, you think about 1 Samuel and King David, and he had these mighty men that were behind him. And, you know, I love reading about how God used these mighty men to, to accomplish great feats. Uh, I was talking to a man uh, yesterday and that's uh, an assistant to his pastor in the church. And, and, uh, and I was kind of asking him, you know, he's kind of a young guy. And I said, do you, see, uh, do you see yourself becoming a pastor someday? And he says, no, he says, I really don't have a desire to preach. 
Um, he says, I just want to be a help to my pastor any way I can. And I said, you know what, God, God's going to, God is using you, but, but there are, there are pastors that would love to have someone like you to just kind of be there for them. And, and, uh, and so this man, he just says, I'm going to be in a way, one of David's mighty men. And here, uh, these mighty men did some great things. The Israelites won some great battles, but we're not in first and second Samuel. We're in the book of Exodus. How many times have the Israelites fought? Zero. <laughs> the Amalekites, they're skilled in, their, in how they fight. The Israelites, they, they've never fought before. Uh, this, uh, the pastor that we're having come this year, Pastor Doug Fisher, he has a message entitled, Spoiling the Egyptians. And how did they get all of their weaponry? Uh, the Israelites' weaponry, it was from the Red Sea closing upon them. Here comes the spears and all of those things, and they, the Bible says, spoiled the event, the Egyptians. And so the Israelites have never fought. And this enemy, the Amalekites, are much stronger than the Israelites. Your flesh is much stronger than you. You cannot defeat the flesh with the flesh. You're not going to be able to do it. I was talking to a man yesterday, he was taking me to the airport, and and uh, one of the messages David Gibbs preached on was having agape love. And, uh, you know, a, a, God, uh, a God-like love uh, and a love for others. And he says, there is someone that I just cannot love. And, and God, he says, I went forward that uh, last night. I had tears. I'm at the altar. And I said, God, I can't love this person. And, he's, and he says, it's my ex-wife. He says, I just can't love her. And I said, you're right. You can't do it. You can't do it in your own strength. But you can do it through the Lord. You see, we can't win this battle over our flesh with the flesh. The enemy is stronger. Now, your enemy is never neutral. What happens if the Israelites, they come over and, and uh, they're getting tired of the battle, so they just kind of sit down and Amalekite comes over and and uh, maybe the Israelite says, time out, I'm not playing anymore. You know, what's going to happen? The Amalekite's not going to negotiate. No, he's going to thrust you through with that spear. And you don't negotiate with your flesh. Uh, your flesh is never neutral. We've got to always be in that battle. Uh, the, he never quits. It never, it never stops. Our enemy is never neutral. 2 Timothy 4.10 For Demas... One of, one of Paul's uh, men that he uh, at one time counted on. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Oh, the flesh got to him. The flesh dra drove him away and, and uh, away from God, away from God's will. And here these Israelites, first time they've ever fought, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy that the Amalekites, this is actually the second day of fighting, the first day, the Amalekites attacked them in, uh, in the rear where there were children and uh, the elderly. The strong men were in the front. And the enemy will attack your weakness. I'm sure that most of us know what our weaknesses are. Uh, if you don't, uh, seek the Lord. He'll show you. <laughs> Uh, you know, he'll attack us sometimes even in our strengths, but he'll attack those areas where we're weak. And they attacked them in their weakness. Here, Moses, in verse 9, And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men. Go out, fight with 
Amalek. I'm afraid that there are many Christian men and women that are not fighting. They're just saying, I'm just going to give in to my flesh. I'm just going to give. We have the enemy. The world, the flesh, and the devil. I'm just going to give in to the world. I'm, I, I'm done fighting. I've quit. Uh, I'm just going to just kind of throw in the towel. And when you do that, you lose. We have to always be sober. Be vigilant. Because our adversary, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. One of the preachers was talking about uh, this couple that just uh, was in uh, the Yosemite Valley, and they had uh, they were taking a selfie off of Taft Point, and it's a popular place. And maybe you heard about this uh, a week or so ago. And and uh, and they uh, the, this next group came up, and they, all they saw was a camera that was sitting there, and they looked a little bit over the ledge, and there were two bodies. A husband and wife had fallen down off this cliff. And I didn't know this, but the pastor began to tell that uh, he's read some of her blogs. And one of the things that their hobbies is they take pictures at at some kind of neat points. And and, uh, she said, uh, you know, you never know what could happen. She says, you get close to uh, the the edge of a cliff and and a gust of wind could come up and just push you off. Uh, Or if you're not paying attention, if you're not focused, you might slip and fall off. You have to be very careful because you could die through this. That was her own words uh, just a few months ago in her blog. Here God's trying to warn us, hey, don't give in to the flesh. Your enemy's stronger. You can't fight the enemy in your own strength. If you do, you're going to lose. So Moses says, we need to fight. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now here's Moses. I don't have a, a rod with me, but we'll, we'll pretend I have a rod. All right. Uh, so here's the, the rod of God. Now you, you remind yourself, what has God done with this rod? Uh, Exodus chapter 3, Moses is confronted by God at the, at the burning bush. And he says, he says, what's in your hand? Moses, and he says, well, it's a rod. He says, put it on the ground. He puts it on the ground, and what happens? It turns into a snake. Now, there are many character qualities that I have. Some of them are good. Uh, But uh, uh, one of them, that I'm exactly like Moses, I would have had the same reaction as Moses did. You know what the Bible says? He ran from it. Boy, he didn't want anything to do with that snake. And you put a snake by me, I'm going to run as well. Uh, I was in Kansas uh, uh, many years ago and, and uh, was fishing with some teenagers. And, and uh, this uh, I didn't see it, but a snake had come right up to my shoe. I didn't know what kind of snake it was. I didn't care at that moment. I jumped up so quick and I ran. And they said, uh, Brother Tim, we've never seen you run that fast. I don't know if I ever have run that fast. But, uh, you know, you put a snake by me, I'm gone. It was a, it was a harmless water snake, I found out uh, a few seconds later. But at that point, I didn't know. Moses, he gets away, he runs away, and, and God says, you, put it, you take it, pick it up by the tail, and then it becomes a rock. God's showing Moses, I'm with you. I've got the power. I'm the one that, that will give you the ability to do what I am requiring you to do. He then takes it to the Egyptians and the the magicians of the Egyptians. Uh, They put their rods down. They become snakes. But then what happens with Moses' rod? It eats all the other snakes. 
God's more powerful than our enemies. God's more powerful than, than anything that, uh, uh, that we may face, any circumstance we may go through. And so then uh, eventually God leads the Israelites out, and, and then when the, the Red Sea is going to be parting, he says, you, you take that rod of God and you touch that Red Sea. And boy, he steps out and that whole Red Sea just parts. And again, miracle after miracle, the striking of the rock. He strikes the rock. And again, the water pours forth. So Moses says, you know what? I'm going to take the rod of God. I'm going to remind these, the Israelites that there's a God that is greater that's going to give us the victory through, these, uh, through this battle. And so he had a determination. You see there in verse 9, he says, Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. This word stand has determination in it. Well, he was, he was determined, I am going to, to endure this battle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go however long it takes, I'm going to hold up the rod of God. Now, we've read the story. He doesn't stay standing, does he? He doesn't stay in his own strength holding up that rod. You see, the enemy is stronger, but number two, the battle is longer. Sometimes you get in a situation and, and you think, all right, I've got this. I'm walking with God. I, I'm, seeking, I'm seeking Him out, but then the, the trial keeps going longer and longer. And you begin to get weaker and weaker. Oh, the battle sometimes is longer. I was in college and in charge of a, of a dorm as an RA resident advisor. We had dorm competitions, just intramural uh, dorm competitions one year. And at my dorm, I, I was blessed in the... Uh, in the physical realm, we had the most athletic guys in our dorm. I mean, I, I, we had several guys that would get up early just to run. Can you imagine that, getting up early to run? Uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever done that. Well, I think I have done that a couple of times. But, you know, they would get up and they would run, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, they were in great shape. Uh, and that summer before I became that, that uh, resident advisor, I had gotten in a car accident and I uh, hurt my back and neck. I wasn't in any of the sports and things. And, and I'm thinking, boy, this storm competition, we've got it. I mean, we've got, the, they had uh, uh, different, you know, uh, strength things. I'm like, we've got the strongest guys. And then we were having a, uh, a race around the, the ball field uh, that's there at the school at Ambassador. And, and that is pretty big. It's not just the size of a, of a ball field. But, uh, but uh, uh, I thought, man, we've got, our, we've got the runners. We've got this, this one nailed down as well. And so uh, we started off, and there's different competitions going on, different places. So I'm kind of going back and forth and seeing how our guys were doing. We're winning, I think, in just about every category. And, and, uh, and I came back to the ones where the runners were looking for John. John would run every day. And I couldn't find John. And I'm looking, I'm like, John, your turn to run is coming. And, and I found him in, in uh, one of the, the school rooms. And, and uh, he says, Tim, I can't, I can't come. And I go back and I said, hey, guys, John can't make it. Well, get somebody else. There was nobody else. I was the only else. <laughs> and I hadn't run in, in uh, almost a year. And, uh, and so the, the baton's coming. I mean, we're in, we're in, we're so far ahead of everybody else. And I'm like, all right. I, I just, I didn't even have time much to think about it. I grabbed the baton and I started running as fast as I could, which is not what you're supposed to do. I was running as fast as I could. And, uh, and I got about halfway through 
And the second, the guy that was in second eventually passed me. And I'm like, oh man, and I'm just going, and, I, and after, I don't know, a third of the way, I was done. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was so out of shape and all of that, and I'm just like, man, I just got to get through it. I pushed through. We did not get in first place that on that category. Why? Because I got involved. But uh, you know what? When I got that baton, I thought, all right, I'm doing this. I can make it around at least once. Uh, nope, I couldn't. You know, that it was, it was a longer track than I thought. You know, sometimes when we go through things, this trial, these, these uh, uh, difficulties, they last longer than you expect. And the, the, the battle sometimes is longer. Moses had a determination. Oh, I'm going to stand. But that battle began to become longer. And so he comes up to the hill, but he didn't come up by himself, did he? He came up with who? Aaron and her. Now, Aaron, we know about. This man, her, it's not uh, uh, feminine, it's a man. <laughs> How would you like to have your name be her? Uh, and we don't know much about her. Uh, we don't know hardly anything about this man, but here he is in this passage upholding Moses' arms in the time of battle. Eventually, Moses sits down in that, in that chair or in that, on that rock, and, and, uh, and he, he can't hold up that, that rod any longer and his own strength. And so here's Aaron, and here's her holding up his arms. Because when his arms get tired, all of a sudden the battle then becomes uh, more towards the victorious side of the Amalekites. When he has that rod up, the Israelites then begin to win. And so Aaron and her faithful men just keep holding up Moses' arms in that time of battle. You see, you and I, we make a mistake. We go up on that hill by ourselves. We go up on that hill by ourselves. We're not going to make it. You see, we need each other. Uh, we need to uh, we need to pray and uphold one another in prayer. Uh, my home church, uh, uh, you know, again in, in the bulletin it will say Grace Baptist Church, Fernley, Nevada. When I get back, they're going to ask me how did things go. Uh, they they know where we're at. They're praying for us. My pastor's praying for me. You know what? I'm praying for them today too. I'm praying for their services. I'm praying for my pastor. You see, I need my home church. I can't be an evangelist without them. I need them to hold up my arms because, yes, yeah, sometimes my arms are strong. I'm ready to go, but sometimes they're weak. And I don't know who may be the strongest Christian here, but eventually your arms get weak. And you have, you have to have others to help hold up those, those arms in the time of battle. Moses was came up on that hill with Aaron and her, and we need one another. This battle is longer. The enemy is stronger. But praise God, there's a God that's greater. Look at verse 11. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua, discomfited, defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now there was a battle going on down here. But where was the victory, the true victory found? In the Lord, up on that hill, as a picture of intercession. 
This is really a picture of prayer. Prayer is hard. True praying is difficult work. It's agonizing. It's not an easy thing. And, and, if, and if they didn't have this intercessory prayer, they would have lost. John R. Rice said, all failures are prayer failures. It's so true. When we fail in prayer, we fail everywhere. Because we need the Lord. The, one, the Lord is the one who, who won that battle. There's nothing that is said of Moses' strength that won that battle. No, look at verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly, who will? I will. God says, I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. This word Jehovah Nissi is the first time we learn uh, this name of God. Jehovah Nissi means the Lord our banner. Uh, the Lord my victory. Uh, he, is, he is the one that gives me the victory. And it's interesting to know when you go through trials, you know what God wants to do? He wants to reveal more of Himself to you. He wants to show more of Himself to you. He wants to draw you closer to Him so that He can show you, and He shows Moses, I'm Jehovah Nissi. I'm your victory. I'm your banner. I'm the one that, that you need to be looking to. Yes, the enemy is far stronger than you and I. The battle sometimes is longer, but there is a God that is greater. Let's look to the Lord in prayer.